Welcome back to the Thrillers by the Book Club podcast. I'm Chelsea. Hey, and I'm Olivia, and we are so excited to be talking you talking to you today about thrillers. Woo! Woo! No pressure, but it's going to yeah. be a good one. They're all good. I think, personally, I'm a little biased, but this is going to be yeah. an extra good one because who do we have for a special guest, Olivia? We have a very special guest today. Her name is Emily Canders, and not only is Emily a huge lover of books, but she is a publicist for Penguin Random House Books, which is so cool. Um, I got Emily's name because a couple of months ago, I was talking with Riley Sager about um, chatting with him. Just a casual conversation yeah, with the best author ever you know no big deal mbd yeah um and we were doing our thrillers by the book club um author chat we did that in august and so anyway the point is emily <laughs> is riley's publicist so like uh, i mean couldn't get any better than that so welcome emily we're excited to have you Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I, I feel like I'm as big of a fan as you guys of uh, as Bradley Sager. Even though I'm his publicist and I talk to him like all every day. Oh I just read gosh. his newest book and I oh. am also a fan. So I am on board with you guys. <laughs> we're going to have to get in. really early. That's, that's so lucky. That's literally the dream. And we're going to have to get into like Riley Sager rankings because I mean, they're obviously all five stars, but it's like the five-iest five star and then the five star and then the middle five star and the lowest five star, but they're all five stars, but it's like the top five star and then the middle five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And I love that uh, five-iest five star might be my new favorite uh, yeah. ranking. So I'm going to use that in my pitches. <laughs> Yeah, like Riley Sager's new book is the fiveiest five star you'll ever read. <laughs> There's my press release headline. So thank you so Perfect. much. You're so welcome. I do Wonderful. what I can. <laughs> I'm so excited for his new book. I've thought about it so. I mean, we'll get into it. I can't. E- I'm so excited about this because he's like top top. You know, where you're just like you see him and you're like, I'm sweating so hard right now, and yes. I don't know why. And that the great, great thing about him is that he's also just such a nice person, um, which is always a plus when you're working with an author that's really talented, but then they're also just like a regular nice person. (laughs) Have there been, okay, I don't know if we're allowed to ask this, but have there been experiences when you work with someone and you're like, huh, I don't care for this experience or is everyone pretty nice? I think I've been pretty lucky. Um, I haven't worked with any like really nightmare authors. I mean, I've yeah. definitely like heard stories, you know, over the years, but I've been really lucky in that department. Um, so, you know, shout out to all of all of the authors that I work with. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is very great. And I've heard, I mean, we continue to hear from everybody we're talking to that's in <laughs> thriller industry is somewhere that the thriller authors in particular happen to be just like really the nicest. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into into this role, Emily? I mean, for a lot of uh, bookstagrammers, this is like dream job. So how'd you get into it? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's also, it truly is like my dream job. Um, I always kind of knew that I wanted to work in books um, as I think a lot of readers and people that work in the publishing industry now kind of are that everyone Mm -hmm. knew they loved reading as a kid and they wanted to somehow work with books in the future. And for me, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do, I knew I didn't really want to write. Um, I, you know, I think everyone dabbles a little bit in writing at some point if they love books, but I knew that just wasn't my thing. So I kind of always had it in my head, even from like, 
you know, high school that, well, there is a publishing industry. Um, and I think the first thing that a lot of people think about when they think about book publishing is, uh, well, I'm going to be an editor. Um, yeah. You know, that is kind of the marquee job um, that you think of when you think of working in books. Um, it's what movies are about. And so I went in thinking, like, of course, I'm going to be a book editor. And I'm originally from just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. So I had no connections in the industry. So I ended up doing like a, a short post uh, grad program uh, called the Denver Publishing Institute. Um, and I, when I got there, it's very funny. They do this question on the first day and they're like, who wants to get into editing? And there's like 80 people in the room and <laughs> and 95% of people raise their hand. Um, and then of throughout course. the, yeah, throughout the program, you kind of learn about all these different, you know, avenues in publishing. There's publicity and there's marketing and there's managing ed and there's just art and there's so many different things you can do. So by the end, you know, they whittle it down to like 20% of people are still actually interested in being book editors. And wow. I was one of those people that, that really changed uh, what I wanted to do. And uh, publicity is just so, it's very social. Um, it's really fast paced. You would get to work with a ton of different authors. Um, and so that sounded like it was really up my alley. So after that program, I kind of, I flew to New York on a one-way ticket and took a bunch of, um, I took a bunch of informational interviews and then I went back to Georgia and then I got a phone call um, from Dutton where I still work that they wanted to interview me and they thought I was based in New York and I let them keep thinking that. And I, got, <laughs> I drove to the airport uh, and got on a flight and I didn't come home. So um, wow, that's wow. kind of how I got started. And I've been at Dutton and now work with Dutton Plume and Tiny Reparations Books, three different imprints at Penguin Random House uh, for over 10 years. So oh, wow. it's been a really cool experience for me. Um, and the publicity part of it's just so fun. That is such a dream job. Like that whole story is pretty much like the Cinderella story of people who love books, you know? I mean, you're I just like that is a book in itself, George. You're just like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to go do this. And, you know, yeah. um, country girl going to the big city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, the great thing about publishing now um, is it really used to be that you had to be in New York. Um, and lucky for me, I mean, I, I really love living in New York. But now there are so many opportunities that people – that want to get into publishing and they don't want to move across the country. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to do remote stuff, um, both for, you know, big publishing houses and for smaller houses. Um, and so that is just helping the publishing industry really like expand and get new perspectives and really try to like grow that workforce in a way that's not just in the New York city bubble. I'm really interested Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I'm really interested in how your transition works. So I did something similar where I moved across the country kind of on a whim. And so how was that for you just making that decision and moving from to New York and all of that? How did that go for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, I always wanted to move to New York. So it wasn't really a question of like, do I want to do this? Um, but it was like a lot of logistics. I mean, I literally interviewed for the job and started four days later. So I didn't have like, I brought like a carry on. So I had to yeah. figure out somewhere to live. <laughs> I had to like buy work clothes. Um, and, you know, I think it took me a good six months to really settle into New York and like figure out apartments and like roommates and all of that. Um, but I think 
I was just so excited to be in books that I was willing to kind of do whatever it took um, to get there. But there's a lot of people that don't have, that just can't do that. You know, like I was able to find an apartment that I could afford and I was able to kind of just scrounge. Um, But some people like really need to help their families and they just can't make the big move. So I was lucky. Yeah, absolutely. So sorry, Olivia. I'm so sorry. I have so many questions. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So I was going to ask, like, walk us through one of your days because it sounds like your job is too. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Because it sounds like so much fun. Like what a dream job. And I'm sure that you have so much variety. So tell us a little bit about like what a day is like or a week or kind of what you do um, in your job. Yeah. So I'm an assistant director at Publicity, which basically means I work on a lot of different campaigns kind of completely on my own. Um, I have a great boss who's our director of publicity who kind of helps me brainstorm and and guides me when I'm coming up against something I'm not quite sure what to do with. Um, But my typical day, I would say I work on about a book a month as far as like publication timeline. Um, But I start working on books, you know, six or seven months before they publish. So I would be writing press materials, um, like press releases and Q&As with authors to kind of help the media get to know them, Um, making connections and establishing relationships with different people in the media is super important. So I would say every day I am talking to someone in the media, whether it's I'm pitching them a specific book or I'm just reaching out to say, you know, what is your publication doing with books this year? Like, how can we work together? Um, What are you personally interested in reading? Um, Just so that I can kind of file that away. And then if I have a book that comes up six months later and I'm like, oh, so-and-so really likes this kind of book, I'm going to reach out to them about this. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a lot of that. And sometimes it's like fun things, like I'm taking people out for drinks or lunches or, and then sometimes it's really just like a phone call or an email. Um, And then I am also talking with authors a ton. So obviously each author has different comfort levels as to what they're, you know, interested in doing to publicize their book. So it's making sure that I'm really getting to know each author and saying, are you, are you open to writing an opinion piece for the New York mm. Times? Are you open to being on NPR or on the Today Show? Um, and then digging a little deeper and saying, well, like, how comfortable are you? And should we do media training for you? Um, so it's a little bit of that. And then it's also just working with our marketing team to figure out, like, the whole scope of a book campaign um, and making sure that we're covering authors kind of on all different platforms from media to social media. Um, and everything in between. So my days look different every day, I would say, but those are the main components, like talking to the media, talking to authors, establishing relationships. um, And then sometimes I get to plan book tours and fun things like that. That is pretty cool. Um, Well, a lot of our listeners that we have are bookstagrammers or book talkers. Um, Can you talk a little bit about like, how do you choose and are you involved with, I assumed you would be, but how do, how do, people choose like who they're going to send arcs to and what are you guys looking for in a bookstagrammer or a book talker that's like, okay, these are who, you know, really are going to be able to help publicize the book that we're. Especially because like personally, I do not understand TikTok in any way. I'm like, what? (laughs) This is like the most confusing, but I have noticed there's like a big shift to TikTok. And so is that like something that you've seen because of all the views or because I see that and I'm like, well, 
goodbye. I cannot never make a TikTok in a million years. I've tried and I feel like I'm a thousand years old and it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> yes. So I'm really curious about that as well, like that shift or if there's something that works better than something else. Yeah, I can speak to that a little bit. Actually, for our specific imprints, our marketing team does a lot of the social media. Um, So they've built this amazing brand ambassador program, um, and they do a ton of work with bookstagrammers and with book talkers. Um, But I do know a little bit about the world. So as far as who we're sending galleys to or who we're sending finished books to, um, we kind of approach it on a book-to-book basis. Dutton, Plume, and Tiny Rep, we only publish about 60 books a year, which gives us the Mm. chance to like really focus and kind of make bespoke campaigns for each author. Um, So we're really looking at like, well, who are we trying to reach with this book? Um, And it's not so much about the follower account as it is the interaction um, that people are getting on their accounts. So if somebody has, you know, X amount of followers, but almost 30% of those followers are commenting on every Mm -hmm. post. Like that is amazing for us. Um, So we're really looking for like micro influencers as much as the big influencers. And then we are really trying to expand our list for BIPOC bookstagrammers and book talkers. So in that case, like we're not really looking at numbers at all. We just want to make sure that we're like evening the playing field and really offering opportunities to everybody interested in covering books. Um, And then in the book talk world, I think we are learning as much as everyone else because it is TikTok unlike Instagram from what I understand. It's just so much more built on organic love of a book. And it's so obvious when you're like giving someone a script or you're trying to like place Mm -hmm. an ad on TikTok. Um, So in that case, we're really kind of just like experimenting there and seeing whose TikToks are like taking off, whose aren't. Um, And we're being pretty generous um, as far as those go. We, one thing I I'll note, which a lot of publishers are doing, we're doing a lot more digital galleys these days um, Mm -hmm. instead of physical, but then we're sending out more finished books. Um, So that kind of plays a part in like, Usually if you're on a TikTok, you want to like hold up the book. So sometimes we're pushing until two weeks before publication instead of like four months, kind of like it used to be. Um, But it's kind of the Wild West out there as far as book talk goes. So we're figuring it out right along with you. That's so interesting. So do you look at what other publishing houses are doing or is it kind of just like we're going to try whatever we think might work? What do you base it on? Yeah, we we are definitely, I mean, we're following our colleagues, uh, other imprints at PRH. We're seeing what other authors are doing um, and how they're growing their platforms. Um, and then we obviously have like connections with all of these like platforms and we have, you know, people that send us best practices and things like that to kind of help us figure out how to use the platforms best. But a lot of times like the bookstagrammers and book talkers are like way ahead of the curve. So we're also looking at what they're doing and what seems to be working on their end to kind of inform what we're doing on our end. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Switching gears a little bit, do you get to choose the kinds of books that you are working on or are you just kind of assigned a portfolio or do you like, I have special interest in thrillers and mysteries or like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, so it's again, like within publishing, each imprint really operates almost as like a tiny business within itself. So everybody kind of plays by different rules, but at Dutton Plume and Tiny Rep, the publicists and marketers really get to kind of pick what they want to work on. Um, and it's across like such a wide spectrum because we publish fiction and nonfiction. So in a given season, I may be working on, you know, say a Riley Sager book, but then also a book 
by like a physicist and then maybe also a book by an athlete and then a debut literary fiction. So (laughs) it is all over the place, but it makes things really interesting for me. Do you read all of the books before you start working on them? Like, do you get like a super early copy to kind of like, okay, I am prepped to talk to this author about whatever it is with the book or? Yeah, I definitely read everything. Usually it's pretty early. Sometimes I even get to read stuff at the proposal stage before we even buy the book. Um, And I'll be in the proposal meeting with the author and kind of giving my thoughts on what I think the publicity opportunities are. Um, So it's really fun in that case because I'll have met with somebody like three years ago and then the book is finally done and we start actually working on publicity. So um, yeah, I read everything though. That is amazing. How many books a year do you think you read? So it's funny. I was just looking at my Goodreads um, books like goal for the year and I'm doing so bad. Um, (laughs) I think this year I've read like 50 but I'm also reading a ton of like manuscripts that won't be out for several more years. Right. Um, so I I don't know how to count those. So I would yeah. say it's probably between like 50 and 60 or 65 a year. But sometimes okay. I'm only reading partials. So are you – how much do you get to read for pleasure? Is that the 50 is like what you read for pleasure for your own enjoyment? Or is that um, books? That's a good question. It's a mix. I mean, I'm reading a ton for work, so I'm definitely not yeah. reading as much like of just my own choice. But I actually listen to a ton of audiobooks. That's kind of how I get my pleasure yeah. reading in. Um, so I, I'm very weird, and my husband thinks it's like very strange. But I listen to audiobooks while I run, um, yeah. and I think that's how I get a lot of my like fun reading in. That makes sense to me. I'm similar where I'm doing a lot more audiobooks because then I can do it while I'm cleaning or I'm taking a walk for a walk or whatever. Yeah. And um, especially when we're in such a time where we have to stare at our computers all the time or we're looking at electronic, like we're looking at something all the time. I'm just such a big fan of audiobooks because then I just don't want to look at a screen or even like a paper book sometimes is just too much for my eyes because I've just been staring at stuff all day. So audiobooks are like a great way to also feel like I'm not just sitting in one spot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm stuck here. And then also my eyes get a break. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too with audiobooks, you like find the narrators you like and you find the speed that you like to listen to. So you can really make it a good experience. I think sometimes audiobooks get a bad rap, but I think if you know how to do it correctly, then it's a really good experience. Yeah, definitely. So pub day is a big deal when it comes to books. Obviously, it's the day the book is released. Can you talk about from a publicity point of view, like what do you do? What does pub day look like? And this will be a great lead in as we go to our pub day for the day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So pub day is is very fun, obviously, for any book. It's like the book birthday. Um, But it is it is interesting when you're working in publishing because it's kind of like the lead up is just like this big marathon and then you finally hit pub day and it's like, great, like <laughs> we did it. <laughs> um, but for if, for publicity things, we really want as much publicity as possible to hit in the week leading up to publication, the week of publication, and then the week after publication, just because okay. that's typically when we're able to get the most book sales and just really everything kind of hits at once, which makes people more likely to go out and like look for the book or get it from their library or buy it. Um, So typically for me, I will be really hitting the media hard the week leading up just to make sure I can get books to people that need it, see if I can secure a last minute media. And then on pub day, um, I usually send like 
an email to the author with like, here's everything that's happening this week. Um, a lot of times we'll have an event um, for like an author in their hometown. And so I'll have helped organize that. I don't typically go to those events unless they're in like the tri-state area of New York, but I go to them when I can. Um, and then I use basically any media that comes in to go out and try to get more in those weeks following. So it's a lot of pitching for me on a pub day. Um, and it's a lot of just really paying close attention to what's running so that I can like keep sending the author good news because there's nothing worse than having a book come out and just have kind of like crickets. So I'm really trying to send as much fun, exciting things as possible to an author on a publication day. Oh, I think that that's awesome. I mean, I can imagine, we've talked about this before on the podcast, that Pub Day is such a huge deal to the author. Yeah. I mean, it's the day that their their idea that they just randomly had in their head, you know, like they formed it. It's now on paper. It's here. It's in people's hands. Huge deal for the author. But I can imagine for you as well in your team, like this is the day you guys have been working for, the weeks you've been working towards. Um and I think that that whole idea of making sure that there's not crickets to the author on that day is huge because I can't – I could imagine that being like a very dis, disappointing Stressful. day. Yeah, yes. like if you're just like, I guess stuff is happening. I don't know, right? <laughs> so are you looking for like how many sales are that day, that week, that month? Like what's a good benchmark for you? Um, It kind of depends on the book. Um. So for some books, we're really just looking for like a long tail. Like if we think something's like going to sell well during right at publication, but then, you know, professors say for one of the nonfiction books I work on, professors are probably going to assign this for their classes and it's just going to keep being bought for years and years to come. Then we're not like as worried if we really want something to like hit the New York Times bestseller list and first week is super, super important. That's why a lot of authors that, you guys probably follow are just hammering home the pre-orders are important message because all of those sales leading up to publication count as day one sales. So for for the bestseller list, week one, very, very important. For books that we just want to sell well over their lifespan, I think we're looking more in like the first year of sales. Um, And then there are some books that are going to be like academic hits forever. Um, And in that case, we're, we're just happy to have them come out in hardcover and then probably come out again in paperback and just keep reprinting. So if you, so when you're saying of like the ones you guys are focused on of trying to hit the bestseller list, how do you make those decisions? Are you guys like, okay, the market right now is really eating up this type of literary fiction, or, or we think that this trope is really going to be what, um, uh, grabs people this year. How are you guys making that decision in the either the proposal meetings or in your planning meetings of where you're going to be focusing the publicity, like the chunk of your time? Yeah, that's a good question. So again, because we only publish so few books and we have so many publicists, really all of our books we consider to be front list titles. So yeah, all right. of those we're really pushing with the idea of like, hopefully this will sell enough to get on the bestseller list. I mean, there's obviously some titles that, you know, maybe it's a huge celebrity and we are focusing very heavily on events the first week um, with the idea of just racking up sales to hit high up on the bestseller list. Um, And those campaigns look a little bit different than, than fiction campaigns. But I would say I'm spending just about the same amount of time on almost all the books I'm working on, just because I really am trying to get huge publicity for everybody. Um, 
I think the event structure just might be the main difference mm, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we just can't send everybody out on the road because it's not, it just wouldn't be worth their time. But if we can send a celebrity or, you know, a really huge marquee name author out on the road for a week and have many hundreds of people come to each event, then that's worth flying to a different city every day. Right. I feel like one of the most exciting things, at least for me as a reader, is seeing someone who is it like a first time author or someone you don't really know and then their book sales just go through the roof I feel like I'm always so proud like I don't even know them and I'm like oh my gosh like that's so exciting for them and that must feel so good to be like your first book and it takes off like that's probably so so exciting yeah, I mean, that's like the dream. And it's so fun to see that happen. And you know, sometimes it is just a little bit of luck. It's like, maybe it's just luck, uh, right? Like, you yeah, it's, it's so subjective. Yeah, it's like, we can try our hardest to be pitching the right people. But sometimes a reviewer at like a big outlet might read a book, and it just really hits. And so they write an amazing review. And that review leads to it landing on a bunch of other lists or something like that. So, you know, there's definitely a method and there's definitely, you know, a way that we're doing these things, but sometimes it really is just luck of it falling into the right hands. That's so exciting. I love that. Yeah. It's, it is one of my favorite things. I love seeing a debut or, or somebody who's maybe had like one or two books out, like when they hit it, the, you know, when, when they're really getting that big first big push um, it's exciting as a reader to to watch as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we are. Let's transition to Pub Day. Speaking Woo-hoo! of, so this is for Pub Day on December twentieth. And Emily, I'm sure that you can probably attest to this. It seems like these like middle weeks in December, we kind of have a bit of a lull. Yes, <laughs> you are right. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the very first week in December, I was like, there's so many books that are coming. And then it's like these couple weeks, it's like nothing. Yeah. And then the last week, it looks like it is again too. So I mean, I get it. It's like that at my day job as well, where everything kind of slows down. But it's still, there are still books that are coming out. So I do have one that I thought sounded really, really good, actually. Um, It is coming out um, on today, December 20th. It is called Never Let Go by Lori Duffer Foss. Duffy Foster, Lori Duffy Foster. Um, The description is, most people have nightmares while they sleep. Carla Murphy awakens to find herself living in one. Carla is excited when her best friend asks her to lunch and tells her to bring the baby. Rachel dislikes children and has been distant throughout Carla's pregnancy. But nope, Carla should don't trust her. Don't trust her. <laughs> right? Wait, you know. again, I'm like, she's but... going to chuck that baby off a cliff. No, 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 no. But Carla should have known that people don't change that quickly. <laughs> Lunch was a ruse. Carla emerges from a drug-induced slumber sealed in a room in Rachel's basement with her son gone. Her best what? friend is no friend. She is obsessed with Carla's husband and will kill them both if she doesn't get what she wants. <laughs> Carla has no choice. She must help Rachel, her confidant since childhood, seduce her husband or they all die and her baby will be lost to her forever. Okay, like, are you kidding? What? <laughs> that is what wild. Is, that is... <laughs> I I'm, read it and I was like, I've got to read this book. This is insane. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I need it right now. Isn't that the... That's like the best pitch. I was like, yes, I... I am on board. 
So I'm, like uncomfortable. It's so it, like I know. what? <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it could go so many different directions, and it I really just could. have no idea which one it's it's going to go. <laughs> right? I was like so much messed up, loving it. Okay, so that's Never Let Go by Lori Duffy Foster. Congratulations, Lori. I hope that this book is a hit, and I will definitely be picking it up because same. It sounds bonkers. It does. It really does. That's the only one that you have coming out today? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, then it deserves all the attention because... Yeah, absolutely. What intonation. <laughs> all right. Well, after that lovely little recap, I will be talking about my book, which is also extremely trippy. Okay. Um, I'm going to be talking about Ghost Eaters by Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, okay. And he his book came out on September 20 of this year. And you might know him from Whisper Down the Lane, which was that okay. book about the satanic panic. Um, if you haven't read it, read it. It's like, it captures the satanic panic so well. It's fiction, but it's like, it really gets you in the mindset of what it must have been like when all parents were freaking out about yeah. their daycare providers being Satanists. So very that good. Is, I've heard of the book. I've never read it. But I, as soon as you said the book name, I was like, yes, I know what book you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yes, same. It has, it has like the pentagram on the top with a bunch of kids. It's It really draws the eye, you know? Right. So anyway, Ghost Eaters cover also – so good and I had to I just read Whisper Down the Lane like a couple weeks ago so I had to read this one right after because obviously so this book is about Erin who is a woman who cannot let her ex-boyfriend Silas go so she's always there whenever he needs something he has a pretty bad drug addiction that's causing her a lot of pain all their friends Mm -hmm. a lot of pain like he doesn't really take them into consideration he just does whatever he wants Um, And then obviously he turns up dead. And so Erin doesn't know what to do. She can't move on with her life. She's like, can't stop thinking about him, which makes perfect sense. Um, But then she finds out about a new drug. It's called Ghost and it helps people see the dead. So she's like, yup, sign me up for a pill popping seance because (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready to see the dead. And she has a lot of guilt um, associated with his death and pain. And she's like, okay, let's do this so she does this seance with this drug but when she's no longer high she comes back down she now can see ghosts everywhere oh all the time all the ghosts of the dead people who have died in the area so for example if she's in her house if someone died in that house she can see them okay okay. so everyone who died near her now she can see them and they can also see her oh Um, no (laughs) yeah and that's very very bad because they don't want to be dead and she's just trying to live her life go to her job and she sees so it's very interesting. It's set in Richmond, Virginia, and I thought that was interesting because there was a lot of information about the culture there, and so, like, the history of Richmond was addressed and slavery, and that played a really big part in the story because oh. she's seeing all these people that were killed unjustly and in horrific ways, and she's experiencing their pain while and seeing where they died and things like that. So that was super interesting. It was very unique horror book. I really haven't read anything super similar to this. 
And there were a lot of really good topics involved. So he talked about grief and addiction and, you know, like the ghost of our past. And it made me feel very anxious and claustrophobic, which was amazing. Um, (laughs) And so I liked that. I love when a story uses relevant information about like our time. So it talked about like the racist South and Mm -hmm. some of the experiences people had there and the idea that ghosts are all around us. And that was very terrifying for me personally. Um, (laughs) And experiencing it, imagining, you know, she's like, now that I can see there's like a headless woman right in front of me, that type of stuff. And I'm like, happening to you right now, Chelsea. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So scary. (laughs) Right. I'm like, hopefully no one ever died here because hate that um so like i said set in richmond the characters aaron was the main character her best friend amara silas is her ex-boyfriend who dies and then there's tobias so there's four of them in their friend group and it kind of focuses around those four and the trigger warnings are death addiction drug abuse so what worked for me the tone of the story was amazing so it perfectly describes someone who's experiencing extreme grief and guilt pain addiction all of those things and it felt like the author you could tell has experienced some deep emotions mm. and feelings in his life because he wrote mm. it and i i was brought right back to a place when i have felt you know a lot of grief for example um there was a lot of dark undertones that brought out like sadness and horror which is perfect for this story and the idea of you know each of us being haunted and not being able to leave our own haunted houses was so relatable to me and i really connected with that because i don't know about you guys but sometimes you know you're trapped in a in your own mind, you know, you're trapped in your own mini haunted house on things that replay in your mind. And that was, it was so good. It was horror with a twist. Loved it. Um, The only thing that didn't work is that I think if you haven't really experienced that grief, that it was really repetitive because, you know, when you're, when you're in that, it's, it's hard to see anything else. And he did a good job writing about like the obsession of grief and how tiring it is and exhausting. But I think, that does get as a reader you're like oh my gosh this is so depressing because it's accurate you know so that might not work for everybody but i rated it 4.5 stars and the books that were similar were a head full of ghosts by paul tremblay mexican gothic um and then a book of accidents by chuck wendig so loved it recommend it if you're trying to be like dark and depressed this is the book for you for you yeah Yeah. um based on your description it sounds really good like really uh well written and it's exploring some really good themes it's a big no for me um (laughs) i uh, support it it sounds really like i was on board with all of the ghosts and the being a haunted house and seeing all of that until you were like yeah explores grief and like all these like deep emotions and I'm like ah fuck that I'm out um yeah. but I hope that but there are readers out there that love this stuff right like they want oh, yeah. to get into the that emotional thing and I love that for them and I love that there is a horror book that does that so it's not just all the crying you know we've right. talked about this before it's not just a straight right. cry book You've got no that. it's super triggering and that's why I'm like I want to make sure everybody understands like it's hard to read but it yeah. was so good like it was written so well that I I still recommend it that is, I think that's awesome. And there's so many books that are, there are books that are like that, where it's really difficult to read. Even the one I was talking about last week with um, the Quarry Girls, yeah. where it was like, it's difficult to read, but it's because it's bringing out that emotion, which I think is just so much kudos to authors, particularly in the thriller horror genre, that I think are doing this a lot more. 
I'm seeing this happen more often and I'm loving that there's like a deeper yeah. uh, tone or a deeper message that's happening we're seeing in these books more recently. Yeah. I agree. And that's all a trend right. we're seeing like across like really proposals that are coming in like all over the place. It's like these horror and thriller books are just like getting so much deeper, which yeah. I think is clearly what readers want because we do you keep getting think more in. That, do you think that's because of experiencing the isolation of COVID that that Ooh. was like easier to pull from? Because for me, I'm like, those are relatable because I know what it feels like to be like isolated, alone, depressed. Like all of those feelings I think have come up for a lot of people in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting take. And I think probably a big part of it. I think another part of it is people are just taking, you know, more like, quote, commercial books more seriously as they should. So authors are willing to put more of themselves into it. Um, they're, I think they're realizing that readers, you know, are grownups and they can handle, you know, harder topics mixed with like a lot of fun reading. Um, so I think authors are just, they have the opportunity to actually write what they want to write. Yeah. I'm loving it. I love that this is a, a theme that we're seeing. I'm a huge fan of the popcorn thrillers too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I am enjoying that there we're seeing this more often. Um, yeah. And I think, so not to spoil this, but Emily, your book has some of those things. I just read the one that you're going to talk oh, yeah, that's about, right. and I think it's similar. So do you want to tell us about your book choice? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was about to say the same thing. So my book is The House in the Pines by Ana Reyes, <gasps> and it comes out January 3rd, 2023. Um, and so like your book, um, this is a thriller, but it has a lot of really deep themes in it. Um, I would say it's definitely a fast read. It's very fun. It's very twisty, but it it has a lot of deep themes in it, which I'll get to. But um, it's this debut thriller from Ana Reyes. She's a Latina writer. Um, and it follows Maya, who returns home on an all-consuming quest to uncover the truth behind her best friend's shocking and mysterious death when they were in high school together. Um, so it's years after her best friend died, and Maya's memories are really hazy, um, and she's not quite sure why. But the one thing that she does know is that the one the man that she was hanging out with that summer, Frank, is at the heart of the mystery. And the reason she knows that is because she's been trying to get over her friend's death for so long. And then she stumbles upon this YouTube video um, of a woman dropping dead in a diner in her hometown. And Frank is sitting there next to her. So she knows like this has happened again. And she's the only one that knows that that he was there for both deaths. Um, so she has to return home um, to kind of piece together the fragments of her own past and these things she can't remember. Um, and she knows that she has to go to Frank's cabin in the woods to really figure out the truth once and for all. And so I love this book because I think it really plays around with memory and nostalgia in this super creepy way and is basically casting memory as kind of the villain in this. Um, and it's it's looking at nostalgia and what the dangers that can come of having this rose-colored glasses nostalgia about everything um, and wanting to return to like that better time because maybe it wasn't that good to begin with and you just can't remember it. And so the atmosphere is also just very eerie. It's set in kind of this isolated Massachusetts town. Um, and Maya, the main character, um, is while she's trying to figure all of this out, she's also going through withdrawal from Klonopin. 
um, which is a drug often prescribed to help people sleep, but it's actually quite addictive. Um, so she is experiencing a lot of withdrawal symptoms as she's trying to figure out why she can't remember anything. So I would say, you know, trigger warnings are obviously withdrawal um, and drug addiction is a big one. Um, and also just relationship abuse um, is definitely something that is in there. And it's this fleeting memory that she can't quite remember. But I would say, I don't know. I think the deeper themes in this one. So Ana Reyes is half Guatemalan, as is the character in the book. And so she weaves this really interesting kind of like ancient hymn throughout the book um, that kind of brings her back to her Guatemalan heritage. And she's also trying to figure out like what happened to her father in Guatemala during the civil war there. So there's that whole aspect that I think is something you wouldn't always think you'd find in this thriller that there's this whole like heritage discovery um, there. And that's something that Reyes pulled from her own background. The clonopin withdrawal is also something she pulled from her own background. Um, She was prescribed it for sleep and never was told that it was addictive and then realized Mm. she was addicted years later and had to quit cold turkey. And so a lot of those symptoms in the book are are from that. Um, But all of this heavy stuff aside, it's super fun. The twist is crazy. Um, And I think it's something that's like pretty impressive for a debut author. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So going to the list here, it's The House in the Pines by Ana Reyes coming out January 3rd. And I would say similar books. Um, If you like Riley Sager, I think you would like this book. Uh, He blurbed it for us. He is obsessed with it. Uh, Other books, you mentioned Mexican, sorry, Mexican Gothic. And I think that that is another really great comp here. Yeah. Um, I also think... Simone St. James is a really good comp. Yes. I agree with you. Honestly, like um, The Broken Girls, that or – Oh, my God. um, That's my favorite Simone St. James book. Yeah. Or the one about the hotel also I think are very similar because they have kind of like that haunted feeling where you're like, is this real? Is this fake? Is this in your mind? Is this not in your mind? Like one of those type of books. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you're, and and if you're just a thriller reader, I think you'll like this. I think the twist is interesting and something that I hadn't seen before. Um, But those are, those are probably my closest comps. And as far as the characters in it, Maya is the main character. She's an unreliable narrator. Um, And then she's really the main person you're following. There's Frank, kind of the creepy guy from her background. And then her best friend, Aubrey, you get to meet a little bit before her untimely death but this is a really fun one for us yay love it It looks i mean the cover i just looked it up on goodreads to add it in because it sounds incredible and i definitely will be picking this up but the cover is so gorgeous like it is the it is the pines in the background you can see the house but i love that they have like a 3d key that's kind of oh the key Uh oh my gosh that key is important so write that down in your brain yeah (laughs) also our art department is just like so amazing so i remember when we got this cover in and we were like how how did you make it so perfect (laughs) so yeah yeah fantastic well okay so that's out january 3rd by anna yes Wonderful. All right. Well, I am. Um, I have my book here. I'm going in a little different vein. It is um, 
if this is a popcorn thriller, I would definitely say I I was thinking about it as we were talking. I was like, I don't think there's anything really underlying here. And if there is, I'm so sorry to the author. I didn't pick it up. Um, <laughs> uh, this was one I was very excited because I got um, a NetGalley approval for it. And this was like my first like bigger name book that I got this for. Yay. So, yeah, very excited. Um, I am talking today about You Shouldn't Have Come Here by Geneva Rose. Woo! April 25th of 2023. And so I was very excited. So I was like, look, I've got an early one to talk about. (laughs) That's the best feeling. Yeah. Um, This cover is also pretty freaking amazing. Um, Another one that's like uh, kind of in the woods sort of vibe and there's a road. um, It's so good. Anyway, this is a psychological thriller. It is set in um, at a ranch in a small town in Wyoming. The main character is Grace Evans. She's this overworked New Yorker. She's looking to get away. She does this thing where every year she like throws a dart at the map of the United States and then goes to that place and rents an Airbnb there. And this year it ended up being in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. Which I, I would just, be like, I'm going to rethrow my dart. It's <laughs> right? like, oh, no, it landed in Hawaii. Oh, well. Oh, uh, dang it. Um, but I think, I mean, I actually thought it was actually a pretty cool idea to just be like, I don't, I make decisions all the time. I don't want to make a decision. Let's see yeah. what it takes me. Okay. Kinda you know what that, that makes me think like of, have you guys ever seen the movie Passport to Paris with Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen? Or uh, yes. is that just, okay, great. <laughs> so not me, but go ahead. Yes. In I, the beginning, I they, they throw a dart at the board and then that's how they go to Paris. They're like, where should we go? We have all this money and we should just go to Paris and then live. Or they're like 14 and they're like, we're going to go. Oh, it's Paris. I'm like, I would do that. Like live your okay. best life. Live your best life. Well, I mean, maybe that's where Geneva got this idea. And then she was like, hey, we're going to Wyoming. So I don't know. Like- <laughs> Um, so she's staying at this place, this Airbnb, but she's she's not staying in the whole Airbnb by herself. She like it's a room that some guy is renting out. His name is Calvin um, and he's the owner of the place, which for me, I'm like, I will always rent the full Airbnb out. Um, but, you know, do you? So she's staying at this place. Um, she's renting a room there uh, with Calvin. Calvin grew up in the house, um, and he inherited the ranch from his parents, who died in a mysterious way. He is ripped, and he's hot as hell. Um, sure. Of course. And so Grace is gorgeous. And well, she's now I'm not into it. If there's a no. hot guy, I'm like, uh, sounds romantic. But, I, hate I know. That. I know that you're going to – I knew as soon as I started saying that, like, I read it. I want him to be average looking at best. I want him to have no defining features except for that he grabs a knife and tries to stab her. That's literally all I want. It's like, come on. Well, I mean, this goes some various ways. So so hang Hmm. tight, though. Hang tight. Okay. Okay, so he's a hottie. She's gorgeous. And basically the whole time she's like giving him fuck me eyes every single day. Um, so eventually Basic. they do they do start getting into each other. They're all over each other. Um, mm-hmm. And the story really goes into their attraction and the drama. Um, so while this is all starting and they've got like this like hot vibes for each other. Uh, the sheriff comes by in this small town and is like, hey, Calvin, have you seen this missing woman who looks basically exactly the same as Grace? Except for with a wig. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, her hair is slightly different, but besides that, they're the same. They look the same. They look very similar, similar features. Um, But Grace is like, nah, dog, that doesn't bother me. And is still determined she's going to stick around with Calvin through her entire booked stay. So she's there for like 10 or 11 days, which I actually really like the way that the book did it, where they did like, it was day one, day two, day three. Oh, yes. Love that. Yeah. So that was nice because it was like taking me on a journey of like what they were going through on each of those days. Anyway, 
So for several of the days, it's very soap opera, soap opera-y. We go through this soapy drama about Calvin and his circle of friends. There's um, Charlotte, who is always hanging around, and she instantly dislikes Grace, and she's like leaves all these. She has these really snide comments for her and stuff. And then there's so Calvin's she's into brother, Calvin. right, right. So Calvin's right. brother Joe, who uh, Grace has been warned she needs to stay away from him, or he might make her stay in Wyoming permanently. And then there's Ooh. Calvin's, <laughs> yeah, no, no. there's. <laughs> Calvin's best friend, Wyatt, who's a sheriff's deputy, and Charlotte's ex-boyfriend. So they're all hanging around. They, they're they there for, like, they have Calvin has a birthday party at some point in there, and there's some drinking and stuff happens. It has their all their small town drama and secrets, mm. um, and all of them are warning Grace, hey, by the way, we really need to be careful around Calvin today because his girlfriend died exactly a year ago today. So on his like, birthday? On his birthday, right? Honestly, the disrespect to die on someone's <laughs> birthday, it's like, it's already a hard day, and then you just die? Or was she right. murdered? Well, I mean. I guess you've got to read the book to find out. So I will. After a while, uh, Grace and Calvin get past some soap opera drama. And I loved that, by the way. Like, it was very, like, Desperate Housewives and mm. very, like, Melrose Place um, for Accidental my pregnancy. older listeners, my elder millennials. Um, so that kind of stuff. Like, it's very soapy in that way, which is really fun. And Grace starts thinking, okay, maybe but maybe there is something wrong here with these people and this guy because there's, like, a lot of deaths and a lot of, like, missing women and stuff that are showing up here and it seems really weird anyway but so the first two-thirds of the book is like very fun soapy like nasty towny goodness um and then the last third is like thriller twist 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 who has the upper hand why when all of this stuff and i was like whoa um there's all kinds of drama that happens here and some of it is a little predictable but then there's a lot of it that's not too like the main twist in the book I was like cool didn't see that coming love that um so yeah super it was really fun so this was um the trigger warnings are gaslighting and murder of course um and I rated this four stars I really enjoyed it had a lot of fun with it um, the soap, soap opera piece of it was really, like, very well done in in a way that, like, I don't normally go for that romance hookup drama kind of thing, but this author did a very good job with it. Similar books that I liked were I Love It When You Lie by Kristen Bird, The Perfect Stranger by Megan Miranda, and 56 Days by Katherine Ryan Howard. Um, Ooh. Yeah, right? So it's, like, it's got, like, those great claustrophobic kind of twists of 56 days and then you've got like all of the drama that kind of comes in for those other books so I really loved it and that's coming out in April and highly recommend okay when you were first talking about this book when you were like oh it's the Airbnb have either of you seen Barbarian yes no oh but I've heard about it <laughs> Okay, same, Emily. I also will never watch that in my life. Olivia, don't get too excited. No, don't get too excited. Like, I'll never. But my husband watched it, and it kind of made me think about that, where it was like, we're double booked in the Airbnb. Let's just both stay here. So you're like, oh, it's just going to be all sex. But then it's not. It's like freaky stuff going on. Yes. And you're like, wait, hold on a second. I thought this was about to just be like, oh, there's only one bed and one room. Let's <laughs> for warmth. But yeah. then this is like some freaky no, stuff. Things get, things get like very dramatic and then very dark. Um, it's not like it's not graphic dark. It just gets dark. And it was it's really good. So loving it. Um, I'm definitely going to message your husband on Instagram and say like, yeah, do that. Talk about barbarians. He, he tried to tell me all about it. And I was like, 
ill. <laughs> I think I tried to tell you last week when we recorded too. And you I think like, you no, did too. I was like, that's <laughs> great. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, you guys actually have a lot in common. Like it's a weird, <laughs> freaky movie stuff and shows where I'm just like, um, all I want to see is hot, naked people make out. <laughs> Which, Which is, is ironic. Because, but, but not in books. Hate it in books. <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't want to read it, but I want to see it. You know, I want to see them be like, if we hook up, we'll lose a thousand dollars. Let's do it, guys. But if I read that, I would be like, mm, Ew, nah, no, that's a no for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, you'll that. have to talk to him about it because that's what made me think of it first. And also that like trope is very terrifying because especially with everything going on with Airbnb and like being able to double book or have you guys seen there's been some articles about like a camera like in the shower oh, of Airbnb yeah. those type of things mm-hmm. I'm like that's totally real like a hotel is different but if it's someone's house what are you gonna do like unscrew the light bulbs and look for a camera no I think yeah. there was a thriller I am totally huh? blanking on the name but there was a thriller a few years ago that was like about that it was about somebody that oh was like filming people in their Airbnb and it sounded yes. very scary so, I mean, there's um, a couple two come to mind for me, like, right away. Like, one is a book, so spoiler for those who haven't read this yet, but um, Secluded Cabin Sleep Six, there's, like, an yeah. element of that. And then there's a thriller movie. Um, oh, my God. I have to think of what it's called. I cannot remember, but it's basically the same. Kind of, oh, it's called the rental, where the these people are going into this cabin, and there's the a guy, like say Airbnb, and you know, guys watching them, and madness ensues. So it, I think it's a great. I love this as a trope, although I'm a big traveler, and that kind of makes me a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> now. But yeah. I love this as a trope because you never know what kind of weird situations we're like. We are in an age where we're just like, cool. I'm gonna stay in someone else's house. Cool. I'm gonna get in some person's car. Like it's not a business. Like yeah. you know, like you're staying at a hotel or you're renting a taxi or whatever. We just live in a different kind of time. It's very yeah similar to like but a more technical version of the 1970s hitchhiking situation. I feel like it's oh, yeah. really on the on very around that kind of vibes. I don't know. <laughs> I will just agree with you. I have no yeah. idea. I'm not I'm not in the hitchhiker generation. That was like straight up never talk to strangers, never Oh yeah, stranger you know. danger, for sure. Yeah, stranger danger. Like hitchhiking wasn't even a thing when I was growing mm-hmm. up because it's like every single hitchhiker is a murderer and also every person who picks them up is also a murderer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It doesn't So everyone's always- a murderer. <laughs> You're then. gonna get killed everywhere you go, right? Um, like, just give it up. Then I'm just gonna die no matter what I do. So might as well have a good time, you know? No, exactly. Just kidding. Don't do that. That's a horrible plan. <laughs> Don't live your life like that. It's very unsafe. <laughs> your this is your survival advice here. On the yeah. Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Do whatever you want. Don't care about what other people do because you're gonna get murdered. That's my advice for you. Murders emanate. Great. <laughs> It's happening. So uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. And positive vibes for this podcast. You're going to die. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) thank you guys so much for coming to listening to us talk about these books. Hope you guys are having a great day or whatever you're doing, listening to our podcast in the car or on a treadmill or at work when you're on your lunch break or not on your lunch break. Love that. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and you can follow the podcast on Thrillers by the Book Club pod on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can also find us. Um, I'm on Instagram at 
Olivia Day writes, and Chelsea is at Thriller Book Babe. Emily, where if somebody wants to interact with you or ask a question, how could they contact you? What would be the best way? People can reach out to me. Um, I'm at Emily Canders on Twitter, and you're welcome to tweet at me if you have any questions, and I will get back to you. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Emily and Canders, um, and you can message me there. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us today and answering all of our publicity questions. I'm sure that there will be more that come up over time because, I mean, as Chelsea and I continue to learn more about the industry Mm. podcast, it's been so fun. So yeah, this has been, this has been so much fun. I've, I've loved this conversation. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.